0: Hello, I'm Bryce, and I am ready to preach.
1: I'm Casey, and I am ready to preach.
0: I'm Eric, and I'm ready to preach. I'm Mark, and I'm ready to preach. Heavenly Father, we ask you to come into this podcast with us, God. We ask that you bless it. God, we ask that you bless the ears, open the minds, open the hearts. We ask that the Holy Spirit moves and convicts somebody tonight to have a closer walk with you, God. We thank you for this opportunity Once again, together here, God, we ask that everything that you would have said, God, is said tonight in Jesus' name. We ask that you come before us. We ask that you go behind us. We ask that you come with us. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hello, everybody. We'd like to welcome you back to the Ready to Preach podcast. We're thanking you tonight for tuning in with us. Today, we kind of got a basic topic of what we want to talk about but I want to start it off with something different. I kind of just want to go around and see how everybody's doing this week. First of all, I'd like to say thank you all for listening with us. And it's been actually a pleasure to do this with all of you guys here. And I just kind of want to go around the table and see how everyone's doing today. Mark, how's your day been? How's your week been? So far, so good. Been kind of just
2: being lazy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a day A couple of days off of work, so... Pretty much, I don't leave the house unless I absolutely have to. Nice, nice. So, gives you some time to study, some time just to relax. Yeah, kind of recharge a little bit. Yeah. How
0: was How was Sunday for you? Sunday was fun. I, was I always fun. have a good time on Sundays. Casey, how are you doing this week?
1: I'm doing all right. I had yesterday off of work, so that was really nice. Went and got some shopping done. Okay. Um, today's been good. Haven't done much. Work was pretty simple, so I'm. Off to a good start this week.
0: Good. Gib, how's your week going so far? Oh, it's been wonderful. <laughs> guys I, had a good week. Had, so there's one thing that is kind of a topic in this room going around, you know, and it's actually all over social media right now, the Asbury University um, College revival, you know, going around with a bunch of young people. And two people, two people in this room decided that they would leave home at Southwest Michigan on a Friday night was it Friday, Friday night? night Yep. Yeah. yep. they left on a Friday night decided that they wanted to go be a part. So I'm going to kind of let them to Gibby and Casey that is um, kind of talk about their thought thought process in it and why they wanted to go, what they seen when we were there, when they were there and just kind of go, go on with that.
1: So it really all started, I don't want to say as a joke, but it wasn't serious. It wasn't like a swear, a serious thought. Um, Gib and I are kind of partners in crime and a lot of things that, like things like that, like going traveling and doing things. So I told something to my grandmother Friday earlier in the day. I was like, what if I just text Eric and be like, let's just go to Kentucky. And that kind of offhand comment turned into reality. So we left at like 8.30 or 9 o'clock at night, I think, Friday night and made our way down. And I wanted to go experience it because it seems a lot now that younger people are a minority in church. Right. Um, you know, we don't see a lot of people our age doing things like that. And it was kind of awesome to go and see that, you know, people, and it wasn't just people our age, was it? It was people no, that were like, there was,
3: there was younger and older. Um, It was, it was something completely like I've never seen before either. And even though it's a good thing and a bad thing, we couldn't get in the chapel was a bad thing because I really wanted to, but it was also a good thing because we couldn't get in the chapel. That's how many people were there. I couldn't even take a good estimate of how many people were there worshiping, There's, even outside when it was thirty degrees out.
0: There was a line from the video that you guys sent to all of us. There was a line backed out the place. It went around the block. Too. Yeah,
1: you couldn't even see it. That was the just end. what we could see from the car. Right, um, Probably
0: three four miles long. Yeah, it was a it was a good experience. I take it.
1: It was just awesome
0: yeah, um, so one thing that I seen was a couple preachers that I like to listen to and kind of not necessarily look up to, but in the same respect, I do look up to them and take their advice at high regard. They're saying that you know people have a lot of negative things to say about the revival going on, but they're like these kids took the the thoughts of what everybody else thinks threw it out threw it out the window. They disregarded all of the the church narratives and the rules, so to speak, for the church and just decided that they wanted to worship God and do it together. And I think that is amazing.
2: They yeah, took their self out of the equation.
0: They took their self and every other person, man they or to. man-made idea and just said, let's just lift our hands and lift our voices to God. And I think that's awesome.
1: It was really awesome to be a part of, you know— We couldn't be there as long as some people were, even as long as we'd like to really just based on time constraints and things like that. But I've seen a lot of the negative stuff on social media and things like that, too. People saying it's pure pressure or it's emotional.
3: Um, I didn't feel pure pressured or emotional. Well, I felt emotional, but not in a way to where I was being forced to be there or anything like that.
1: You know, while we were there... A man in front of us just fell to his knees, praising, you know, crying. Mm-hmm. People don't do that because they're peer pressured, standing out in thirty degree weather on a college lawn.
0: Right, and one of the things that doesn't really make sense to me about the negative comments or regards to what's going on is these people are just praising God. What is wrong with that? They're having a good time.
3: They're jealous. It's they're not, not for them. Yeah, and they're not.
2: Because, you know. There are plenty of other things I could have been doing. And that's, that's one and thing that, that, that usually know. happen on a college campus. Right. <laughs> eh, that's not usually one of them that happens.
1: You know, I think the worst part of some of the criticism that I've seen is it's coming from big leaders in the church or in Christianity.
0: Right. I, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand why someone would criticize such an awesome thing that's happening other than – I don't – I would just want to go be there. I don't know why you would have to sit there and shoot arrows from the outside and just go and experience it. I think they should have been there Sunday morning they would have heard my little
2: uh, example about the consonants and dissonance, because yeah. it works both ways. It, it, You can tell what someone else is doing, if it lines up with the Bible, if it feels right, if it matches. Right. If it's not, look and see if it was what they're doing that's not lining up. Yeah. Or if it's what you're thinking about, it's not on it. Because it doesn't just steer you away from something bad, assuming that you're always right. Right, It can steer you towards something good in the case of, in the case of these leaders where
0: they're wrong with their comments and the things that they're saying. Right. Open your mind up to not necessarily – I know a lot of people say open your mind up, and it's normally towards things that are unpopular. No. And while well, they're actually popular, things that – The world is doing. You know, know, just open your mind to it. No, I don't want to open my mind to something that is not biblically backed. Now, a revival that's biblically backed and worshiping in spirit and in truth, I will open my mind to that. Not only open my mind to that, I want to do it, be a part of it, be involved in every way possible.
2: 100%.
0: And these criticisms are a lot of the reason why the church has gained such a bad reputation, why we have gotten a Sort of stagnant vibe coming off of the church because they get cri- kids get criticized for not coming to church, and when they come to church, they get criticized on how they do church. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the principles of Christianity and the basis of what it is don't change, but the man made rules change, and honestly, should change just because yeah. the kids that are holding this revival or who are participating might dress differently or might choose different worship songs and some of the criticizers would doesn't mean that it's not genuine worship or it's not a genuine revival. It just means it might not be to their personal taste, and that's okay, but that doesn't mean that it's not of God.
0: Right. And Paul here in Philippians 1 verse 18 says, "'What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice,' So that's basically to me says that whether it's the way you like it or the way you have seen it done in the past, if Christ is preached, rejoice. Not only rejoice once, but rejoice twice. And I kind of and I think that's just a perfect gap that our perfect bridge into our topic tonight. Our topic is the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think as a Christian or a new Christian or a lot of the time an old Christian needs to understand that. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody has a past. Everybody has sort of a history that goes along with them, you know, and understanding that they have a past, we also have to understand that Jesus has grace and he has mercy to forgive that. And the Bible says he will forgive you as far as the east is from the west and cast your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. If God forgets it, I believe we all have to forget it. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to kind of go around the table, and I don't know if you want to share personal stories about yourself or if you just want to go into biblical characters, but we're going to kind of show a lot of these famous, you know, quote-unquote characters in the Bible that were heroic and huge names and show that they were real people. They They were really, you know, had problems, you know, to begin with. They really sinned. They really needed repentance, and they really received that. I know I already said this, but I want to clarify. Uh, Romans 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And 24 goes on to say, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And I want to kind of just preface this by saying, We all know that everyone's sin, and we all know that we can't make it to the glory of God unless we have Christ freely given grace and mercy. And if we understand that fully, we can go forward, you know, this grace wasn't just for me. I'm not the only one who needed it. This grace is freely given to everyone who's willing to receive it. And I just want to go on to Casey. What do you have to say?
1: I 100% agree with you. I know in conversation outside of recording, we all kind of took a moment. And the first few podcasts we covered, you know, what it means to be a good Christian, the principles of Christianity. But at the end of the day, I think it's important that we also acknowledge that fact that everybody has sinned, you know, ourselves in the room included. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean that you are suddenly exempt from having to have grace and mercy in your life. It's one of the most important things that we have.
0: I think it's important not only that, we understand that grace and mercy is given by Jesus, but I think we should also be an example of giving grace and mercy as well, understanding people aren't going to... We didn't change in one day. People aren't going to change in one day. And I think going with that, just going
2: back to verse 23 when it says, for all, that means to me if if you're breathing air, you're covered in that all. It, there's right. no... It doesn't matter... We talked about the Holy Ghost calisthenics last week. It doesn't matter if you think you're good or not. If
0: you're alive, you need it. Right. If you've been born, you are uh, covered in that all of sin category. Casey?
1: I um, Mark said, if you think you're good, and even the people that you might think are good. Um, I know a lot of the times whenever we're looking at accounts in the Bible, we are really viewing them from a standpoint, especially with some of the bigger ones like, you know, David, Elijah, Paul, we see them in a way that it's just the good things that we're focusing on most of the time. And in reality, these were, you know, real people. We believe they're all historical people that existed. Is that correct?
2: Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Right.
1: And so they went through some of the same things or similar things that we went through, and they had to ask for grace and mercy too at some point.
0: Right. Isn't it funny that a lot of the times we only remember the good things that they did and fail to remember the bad things that they did, like committing such heinous acts of crimes and Paul's, you know, for Paul's sake? He did such terrible things, but we only remember as him being a great apostle that went through shipwrecks and got beat to share the share the gospel of Jesus
2: Christ. And Paul even knew he didn't even call himself an apostle. Right. He didn't give himself that title. That was given to him by others because he was doing the works of an apostle. He was just showing that his life was changed and showing where our lives should be aimed at and the the things that we
0: should be building towards ourselves. Right. We always remember these good things, but we got to remember, guys, that— not only do they have a past, we have a past and we got to try to get over it. And I know we got a couple people are probably going to
2: cover here, but in the essence of that, Paul to me is like the perfect example. Cause you ever notice when, when you're reading the stuff he wrote down, before he starts anything else, he starts listing all the things that he did wrong. He never forgets the times that he messed
0: up. Right. Before he got it right. He didn't forget where he came from. We all got to remember that. We came from the pit of sin, our very own selves, you know. This isn't just a thing that we're going to be able to—we never got to do it overnight. A lot of us in this room, you know, have been Christians for quite a long time, you know, to be quite honest, as long as we live, basically. Um, And it's been a lifelong process, and there's still things we don't have right. And we got to understand that when we're looking at somebody who's just starting— and they're maybe not moving along in Christianity and their walk with Christ as fast as you think they should, but we got to remember that this isn't something they, – they didn't just develop these bad habits overnight, so it's going to take a while to break such bad habits.
1: I was looking for a verse, and I can't find it right now. It's going to drive me crazy, but you said, we only remember the good parts of these people's lives. Right. And – Somewhere I know that it says, you know, only things done for Christ are what last, Will last yeah. but I can't find it right now, so that's going to that's gonna bother me. But we'll get it for you, Casey. <laughs> thanks. I appreciate you guys. So if we just want to maybe dive in a little bit deeper and kind of bring these examples forward of what it really really means to show, despite that we only remember the good, that the bad is still there and it can be overcame, would we be cool with starting with King David? I
0: think that's fair. And just to preface this, it's called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, but we're starting with The Bad and The Ugly first. I've got Casey's verse for her. Thank you. It's
2: Second Corinthians 5 and 10, it says, For you must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ... That everyone may receive of the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Then it continues on. No, knowing... Google lied to me. <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up and it said that, and then it put me to that verse.
1: That's a good verse, anyways. That was part yeah. of John's sermon it was on
2: it was, night. Yeah, that was part of. Well, I'll find last the other part too. of it. It's probably like a
0: few verses down. So that's that's an important topic on this subject too. We got to remember that. No matter who you are or what you've done, you will stand before Christ in judgment whether you've done things that are good or bad. Yeah. I'll find it. Okay. Good thing she's going on
2: David for a minute.
1: <laughs> this is a a group project, Mark. It's not just going to be a Casey thing. <laughs> Let's well, go you're, you're no. on it right now. <laughs> yeah. Batter up. So David is really one of the first ones who comes to my mind in terms of we only see the good things about him and we kind of brush the bad and the ugly to the back, you know, we all know that he was brave, that he faced Goliath and killed him himself. We know that he was anointed king at a young age. And what I hear the most about him is he's a man after God's own heart. Right, And that's such a high standard to set, I think, for some people who hear that, you know, well, I'm never going to be as good as David. He was after God's heart. But in reality, he was just as messed up as any of us, you know, Um, just to name
0: Probably actually messed up a little bit worse than
3: we have been.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Um, You know, just to name a few here, he coveted, he lied, he stole, committed adultery, murdered. And we kind of, we glance over those things. And I think that... He
3: also counted Israel when God told him not to count Israel. Yeah. Was another thing. So basically he disobeyed God.
1: right. And despite all those things, we still hold him in such a high regard, or at least I do.
0: Right. And not only did he commit adultery, but in the very essence of him committing adultery, he had to kill Bathsheba's husband to do it, set him out on the front lines, and then back out on him and let him get killed. Totally a bad situation, if you ask me.
1: And that's such a representation of how you know sin takes you farther than you ever thought it was going to,
0: and it keeps you longer than you intend to stay. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know the one thing that I like about David's story, that is a, a gleaming light of hope for every anybody who has ever done anything wrong in their life has ever committed a sin, is and it's a good example from David's standpoint that I think we should all take into consideration. He did these bad things. He lied. He stealed, Or he stole. He killed, he committed adultery, he counted Israel when he was not supposed to, he openly disobeyed God's order and command, but he also repented.
1: I was going to say, as soon as, maybe not as soon as he realized that what he had done was wrong, but as soon as he was confronted with the fact that he had done wrong, there was no hesitation to take that time and to make that repentance.
0: Well, and it took a prophet of the Lord to come into him. Um, Nathan, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it took it took him coming to him to kind of get him to this point. So I think it's fair if you see somebody, if God gives you a vision or you see something going on in someone's life and you God pushes you to say, hey, go to them in confidentiality, go to them in love and tell them what I've told you. And one of my favorite verses, and when we were back in Sunday school class years and years ago, we... Recited it and memorized Psalms 51. It says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me for for my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. That's just the first. Uh, four verses of it, and it goes on and on and on about how he was sorry and repentant for what he'd done. He realizes that what he, do, what he did was sin. He accepts that he sinned against God, and he wants God to be clear when he judges him. So uh, that's a big takeaway, I think, from David.
1: I agree totally. Um...
0: Do you have another character in mind, Casey? <laughs>
1: Well, I think a question that I had back for our first or our second episode that I didn't ask because it seemed a little bit too deep for the time was, do you think that a moment of doubt or a moment of uncertainty overrides a lifetime of faith? And I think that kind of leads into Elijah a little bit, um, a prophet, obviously we know. Um You know, he did all of these really awesome things, was there to experience them. You know, he stopped the rain for three years. God fed him with ravens. He was the one, the prophet with the jar of oil and the jug of flour or the other way around. Yeah. And then he gets to this point wherever um, Jezebel wants him dead. And then all of a sudden, all of these great things that he's done or that God has done through him and God has done for him just fly out the back window and he's... Terrified like God can't continue
0: to work. To do what He does. I think that's that's a big problem for not necessarily a lot of us, but it's a place you can get into easily. You know, you forget where God has brought you and just not necessarily like Elijah's, but in our circumstances that we're talking about today, we forgot that God had to save us from terrible things too, that these people going through bad things and bad situations, we shouldn't be quick to judge them. We should be quick to pray for them and help them, and help them. Like in Elijah's place, if you could go to Elijah and say, remember what God did for you this time, and remember what he did for you that time, and remember what he's done for you here and where he delivered you there, why would you be scared at this point in time? And I think that's a big part we can play too. Say, hey, God helped you through this situation. He brought you out of it. He brought you victorious in this situation. Hold hold tight, stand still and see the salvation of God, and, and don't be worried about these things. We need to play a bigger role kind of in the big brother type uh, area in Christianity where we need to help these people. I keep saying these people, and I hate, I hate to say that, but we need to help people in general, trying people, people that are trying to actively move forward. We need to step in and say, hey— I'm here for you. I'll pray for you. I've seen what God has done for you there. I believe with you that he will do it again.
1: Yeah, and I think even another takeaway from it, whenever, you know, I know myself, I don't know if anybody else in the room or anybody listening gets to a point where it's just exhaustion sometimes, you know, and you don't ever want to admit that you're exhausted or that you've gone as far as you can in terms of even just, you know, spiritual outpouring, it is really important to get poured into too. I will say that absolutely, but whenever Elijah fled to the wilderness, he wasn't met with hostility, he wasn't met with judgment at that point from God. He was met with rest, you know, he was able to eat, he was fed, and then he was given an answer, you know, you're not alone despite what you're feeling, right sometimes being that place where somebody can come and be you know completely honest with you and say. I'm over it. Not I'm over it, but I'm exhausted. I don't have anything left in the tank. It shouldn't be our place to judge them in that so Mm -hmm. much as provide a place for rest also. Provide a
0: place for help. And they say, you know, it's a cliche saying, once again, honesty is the best policy. Mm -hmm. If you can go to somebody and be honest with them in their struggle or in their terrible situation, be honest with them with an answer they will remember your honesty. They will cherish your honesty and it'll push them to even be honest with people. It
3: seems like doubt and like being exhausted also run together a lot kind of like the two things we've talked about in a way, because normally you worry yourself into being tired. And then once you're down and then someone comes along and kicks you, it's even worse. So as a Christian, we really need to try to do better on not, you know, like Bryce said, we need to uplift people. And I, I go through a lot of doubt sometimes, feeling like I'm not good enough or anything, but then I remember that I was called by God, not by man, so it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of me, only what God thinks of me in terms of that.
2: And we can think of, we're equipped with ways to kind of handle that, so each of these, it's not necessarily like two sides of a coin, right? but each of these, you know, you look at doubt and the exhaustion and the worry, they all they have... We have a tool in our arsenal to help take right, care of that. Right. For doubt, I would say is faith. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. doubt is when you're trusting yourself. Faith is when you're trusting Trust God. God, right? And for the exhaustion or the worry, the honesty and the truth
0: is the way we combat that. Well, even to go along with uh, our exhaustion and kind of being worried or weary, you know, the... The Bible says, "The ones who endure to the end, the same shall be saved." So that should give you kind of a little bit of a motivation to stay, stay active, stay pressing forward towards the mark and the high calling of God. And just like Gibby said, these people did; these people didn't call me. God called me, and if He called me, He equipped me. He He prepared me to do what I am supposed to do.
2: I like the the, the little phrase we throw out all the time, and and on Sundays, and that is that God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Yep. So maybe, you know, you have that doubt where you say, okay, you know, you're listening to everybody else saying, well, you can't do it. You're too young. You're this, you're that. But then you have faith in the one who called you to be patient and to follow that instead. And whether it's doubt that comes from somebody else or doubt that comes from
3: Yourself. The thing I think about most of the time, like with like you said, being too young, is a lot of younger people don't want to hear it from old people. Right. A lot of younger people won't listen to older people. That's a helpful. And then there's a lot of older people that don't want to hear it from older people, honestly, too. They want to hear something they haven't heard. That's fresh. They don't want to live you know, something they've lived their whole life. They want something different. And that's a lot of thing that's another reason people get driven away is because there's no change. That's why I use like the different examples like I use,
2: because you, you, since we're only using the verses in the Bible, we can't change that. But we can change the way we we relate it it to it. Yeah. To maybe if you start out the same way, they're not listening. Oh, I've heard this before. And then the next thing you know, they're snoring in the back row with their eyes open, so you can't tell what they're doing. But when you kind of catch them off guard to start with, with something that's that true. they understand that's a little bit difference-relatable, They're then they start listening to it more, and then they're like, well, why haven't I heard this verse in years? Well, it's because you've been falling asleep as soon as someone starts talking about it for <laughs> the past few <laughs> years. It's not that it hasn't been taught, it's that you just stopped listening.
0: So I, I want you guys to think about this and go through your arsenal of verses and your stories that you think about and just think about this accounts. thought this or this the accounts just think about this it was re, not re, i guess it was revealed to me that in a lot of the situations where god's favor laid rest upon somebody he first had to say fear not just like when he came to mary as a virgin he gabriel came to her and said fear not for God has found favor on you. So they were scared when this thing came upon them, and it's a, it's a normal feeling for us to be scared. We just got to remember that if God's coming to
3: you and he's called you and you have a little bit of a fear on it, you also have favor on you. The reason that I heard Kevin Wallace say it, he was preaching about Luke 1, I think, I believe, He said the reason an angel has to say, fear not before appearing, because that's when he appeared to Zechariah, I believe. I can't remember. I can't remember all the names. When they were having a baby. Yeah, Zechariah. Yeah, Zechariah. He said, because that's when he was in the temple praying for the nation. And he also said something that blew me out of the water, but that might come into later. But he said they have to say, fear not, because if a 10-foot angelic being showed up in your living room and you walked in, you'd fall out on the floor. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> it's like, and they say
2: it before you even see him.
1: <laughs> you know, I think fear not in a lot of ways, you shouldn't fear or be afraid, but you should never approach something that is of God or that you're being called to do with nonchalance either. Or well, arrogance.
3: If you, if you come yeah. in with fear into something that you're supposed to be doing— you're gonna fail, but if you come in confident with, with faith, with faith, you're gonna succeed immediately.
2: And here's the thing to take note of too: whenever they reference, um, beyond the fear, not when they start referencing like the fear of the Lord, they're not talking about someone shaking over in the corner. They're scared. It's more of being in awe of it. So it's, first I off, was, don't be scared. This is going on, but then
0: say, be in awe of what God's about to do. Right, be in reverence. I think is a good. Good synonym for that. So, I have here written down in my notes some. It was an old topic that I had for a sermon, and it says, You don't have to fear what's unknown because we serve a God that is known, you know, especially according to the calling that He has placed on your life. And I kind of related the unknown to new territory, just like this podcast. There was a little bit of nervousness going into it, I think, from everybody. But we serve a God that's already in tomorrow, already in the future. He knows the end from the beginning. The Bible says, and it's just a kind of a a hope for us that we don't have to we don't have to worry about what we don't know because the God we serve does know.
2: Yeah, and I can even throw in one of my uh, ones from recent Sunday schools is that God is not bound by space or time, or any conception that we have. He doesn't have, it doesn't have to make sense to us, it doesn't have to follow the rules that we make up, because the one who made us is the one that made the rules to start with. It's right. always going to line up how he wants, it's just getting ourselves to align with that. Align a lot of it the, as
3: well. A lot of the times we get so worked up overthinking things, though, that we forget that, hey, God's already got this planned out, so I have no reason to worry. Don't worry about it. Quit crying and complaining. Man, Jeez, does, shut it, up. <laughs> it does say there, you know, that
2: like he knows our end from the beginning. He knows the plans that he has for us. He knew us
0: before he formed us, before we were born. Before the foundations of the earth. So, he knew us. And what, So why are you worried about it? <laughs> right, right. Casey, who's our next character that you have laid out for us?
1: I want to throw it over to Gibby. I think he's got a good one lined up. <laughs> Do I? You do. You do. I I have (laughs) have
3: faith that you've got something for that, Gibby. For what? For this? Yeah.
1: Yeah, your next character.
3: I don't have any characters. I was going off you, Casey. My mind automatically goes to Jonah because he had a direct assignment from God to save a whole city, I guess you would say, or a nation, maybe even. But he just completely went backwards and had to take a little detour, I guess you could say. I I through the ocean. <laughs> I think it's actually
0: I think it's actually like twenty five hundred miles out of the way. Yeah. And he paid he paid the many ultimate ways. price, yeah. Not the ultimate price. He was still alive. God, yeah. God sustained him and and that's kind of hope, I guess, for someone who is who is going through something bad or has decided that they'll take such our matters into their own hands. God's still gonna get his plan. Fulfilled,
3: His plan will be fulfilled ultimately, Just, whether
0: it's you or not. But in this case, it still
3: was it him. It still was Jonah. Just be careful not to flee to Tarsha because that's not the route you want to take to Nineveh because it's not a very fun trip to go through. I think he went on the first ever
0: submarine ride. That was,
2: <laughs> very
3: well could be. You know, this is like pre-Civil War era submarine ride. But you see Jonah. what happens when you disobey direct orders. You um, kind of you get carried away from what you're supposed to be doing. Is this where like the mob
2: got sleeping with the fishes? Because I'm sure if he's in there for three days and nights, he's taking some
3: naps. Well, I
1: don't think I'd be able to take a nap. I
3: would probably be praying that I don't, you know, die. Die. Well, the seaweed was encamped or encamped around his head, yeah, so, so he knows.
0: We'll have to ask him
2: when Moral we get there. Of how The was story
3: it? is when God tells you to do something, don't doubt. Well, Back to doubt, basically. because well, he doubted that it was he was worthy of it. He was
2: in himself there. I think it wasn't so much doubt was. I would say more unbelief because he didn't want God to save their enemies, yeah. right? He wanted God to save
0: Israel and then destroy all their enemies. Right. Well, our topic today is the good the bad and the good the bad and the ugly. And you think of Jonah and you're like, "Well, it's, where does that necessarily fit in?" If you are a practicing Christian and you openly disobey a call to go pray for somebody or go move, you're just as bad as someone who has a You know, like are Jonah's enemies in Nineveh. You're just as bad as they are if you don't. And God actually took the punishment and put it. He punished Jonah for what he did, for what he didn't do, or what he disobeyed. Just like Nineveh, they were going to get punished if they didn't obey. And they, as soon as they heard what they needed to do, they went to a three day fast. No animals ate. The greatest from the least to the greatest. Didn't eat. They went into a fast. They put on sackcloth and ashes. They prayed, and God delivered them. If if Jonah would have just went ahead and did what he was supposed to do, no problems whatsoever. They were two thirds ready.
3: Nineveh was ready. God was ready. And Jonah, it took Jonah. Wasn't bad. It was bad. That's the wrong one third. That's the thing about a lot of people in the Bible, though, is um, sometimes if they would have been. For for a Christian, a perfect Christian standpoint, if they would have been perfect, there would have been no point to even talk about it. You because even write the story down. Yeah. We would have never learned anything about how you could get swallowed by a whale if you don't go do what, what you're told, you know? If you right. would have just went and done it, I mean, it would have been great still, but there's no, I guess there's no real point if there was no struggle. Right. Mark,
2: do you have any characters in mind? Uh, biggest one is still one of my favorites because he's definitely an extreme example of going from bad to ugly and then going to good is Paul. Right. Paul was a very smart person, and growing up with how he did, he was smart enough to use the Scriptures as a weapon. Right. And he had it all figured out because of what he was taught. Yep and they would persecute anyone that taught differently. And I think in the Bible, doesn't it say he thought he was doing service to God? He did. He thought that it was God's work because he was persecuting the the Jesus movement of the time because they weren't Christians yet, not till Antioch. Right.
1: Isn't it odd how that's just done that a complete 180 with today's church, it seems like? Exactly. You know, we take scriptures and we turn them into bullets or we use them as a weapon but we're not destroying, you know, so-called Christians anymore. We're using it to destroy the world instead. The
3: people we want to see saved. Right. Well, I guess if you're destroying people, you really guess—you're not really going for the goal to see them saved at that point. You're, you're destroying, just destroying them. You're just trying to make—you're trying to prove that you're better, which is not the case at all. You're, matter of fact, worse. You're
2: portraying yourself as the goal right? right? instead of portraying
0: yourself as a seeker, right, as a vessel willing to— to serve and go after the gospel and send people to the only place where hope and salvation can be found. I mean, this guy went so far as he had the authority to
2: put people in prison, have them killed, have them exiled, all sorts of things,
0: if they wouldn't repent of what they said. Right. So i I seen this I seen this thing this week. It was on a I think it was a short TikTok clip, and it was a, a preacher that I've been listening to, and he said. Imagine what it was like for Paul to walk in the pearly gates of heaven and see some of the people that he persecuted and them saying, Paul, thank you. Thank you for finally sending sending me, sending me to my final resting place. Thank you for getting me to my destination. And after Saul being converted to Paul, he's like, for me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. And the ones that he persecuted at the beginning of his life or towards his teen years of his life, he's giving them what he talks about in the future. So I think it's cool to think about that.
2: Yeah, because you th- and you think about, you want evidence of him changing from bad to good. He went from early on, around the time of Jesus' death, to being at the stoning of Stephen and still being a persecutor of the church. And it's the guy who wrote, I wrote it down here. Thirteen of the twenty-seven books of New Testament. Forty-eight percent of the New Testament. He wrote more books in the Bible than anyone else. Whether you include Old Testament or New Testament.
0: Right. Hmm. That's a that's a good testimony right there for anybody who thought they have gone too far, thought they've done too many bad things. This dude's literally out here murdering Christians, harassing them, persecuting them, throwing them in jail, doing everything heinous that you can think about to somebody. And he goes on to totally transform his life on the road to Damascus. And everyone, you know, it's kind of a common Christian phrase to say, having a road to Damascus moment, you know, where Jesus Jesus appears to them and not necessarily appears to them, but they come to their senses and say, hey, Jesus is the Lord, you know, like, like when uh, Jesus spoke to Paul, and he answered, Lord, Lord, you know, he knew who he was. He exactly. didn't know the name. Right.
2: Because he even said, you know, Lord, who are you? So he 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 wasn't confused when Jesus appeared to him. He was only confused about who it was that was the one that was appearing to him. Like, what was his name? If he's, if he's persecuting him, who am
0: I persecuting that's hurting you? Until he said this, why persecutest thou me? He knew exactly who it was, I think, at that moment in time. You know, and that's... A question we can ask some of the people who are putting doubt and shame towards this revival type thing. Why are you going after somebody that has the same goal as you,
3: With the same intentions? Because technically, if you're beating down someone for doing the right thing, you don't have the same goal. True. They might say they might put on the, the, the I'm a Christian dress, but they don't have the same goal if they're trying to tear down what God's doing for someone else.
2: I think when it comes to that, we can draw more off Paul. We need to have kind of like the uh, the mindset of like a, a glimaleel, who was his teacher, but was also one of the higher ups on the Sanhedrin council. And whenever they brought, um, I believe it was Peter and John or some of the others early on to the Sanhedrin to say, hey, you know, they're teaching in this name, they're doing this. It's got to be wrong. And he even said, don't touch them. said, if what they do is of man, it'll go away. If what they do is of God, there's nothing we could do to stop it anyway.
0: And we're talking about it in 2023.
2: Yeah. So like in the case of the Asbury revival, if it lines up with God and it's in the right spirit, it doesn't matter how much you agree with it. You can't do anything to stop it. Right. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's going to fizzle out anyway, so it's not going to matter, right?
1: I think a lot of the times whenever people are throwing critiques at somebody, you know, not even just as necessarily in this circumstance, but, you know, if I were tearing Eric apart for everything that he's ever done, it's more of a defense mechanism so that somebody's not looking at me to see what I've got hitting myself. You know what I'm mm. saying?
2: Yep. You ever oh. see, heard the phrase when you point your finger at somebody, you got three pointing right back at you?
1: At home all the time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so the, have you anytime the you're pointing lately? fingers at somebody, you're pointing at yourself, and I say with there being three, it's probably because you've done worse than what you're
0: pointing out for them. Mm-hmm. So we've covered the bad and we covered the ugly of Paul. Now it's time to hit the good. 1 Timothy one and verse twelve says, "And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before, who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, and injurious, but I obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly and unbelief."
2: That's why I pointed out when we did this, when we did a study for a few weeks on Paul in Sunday school, was that. If you look at the timeline of things, after he went to Damascus, he did not immediately go to Jerusalem or to any of the other places. After he went to where he was told to meet Ananias, after that, he didn't immediately go to the other churches or to where everyone else was. He went by himself, I believe it was Ethiopia, Mm -hmm. and spent time praying and studying to find point that he missed all his life because he had them all memorized.
0: And likely through his journey going through the, uh, met- not Mediterranean, but the eastern side of our, our our world here, he had to cross some of the same people that he was persecuting at the beginning. Oh, definitely.
2: And if you look at even when he finally did start talking to Peter and to all the other um, early apostles, the only thing he asked was like, am I teaching anything wrong? Right. You guys walked with Jesus. You had all this stuff firsthand, right? Is there anything that I've got wrong? Because if so, I
0: don't want to teach it. So here in and fir- nothing got changed. Okay, here in First 1 Timothy 1, 14, it says, "And the grace of our Lord was exceeding, exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus." This is a faithful saying and worthy of all accept, our acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. He believes that he is not only a sinner, but the worst one of all. And he says that his grace and his mercy is exceeding abundant, meaning that if he saved me, he can save anybody, you know, because he goes on to say that he's the chief of all the sinners. If he can save me, he can save anybody. And he. I think he had that same sort of mentality when he was going around talking to all these people.
1: I think the fact that Paul never denied who he was previously was one of his, likely one of his greatest assets. Honestly, you know, we see him talking to the churches in Corinth and the um all the churches. Honestly, that he was an aide to, and I don't think people would have been as apt to listen to him or to take his guidance had he leaned away from who he was in the past. Uh, If he had, you know gotten saved and then all of a sudden gotten great and never mm-hmm. acknowledged the fact that he was once bad.
0: I think that's an attribute that all of us need to acquire, you know, kind of like myself, I I've done things that I'm not proud of, things that I probably won't speak about with anybody, you know, but I've done things that I know weren't right. I know we're out of the will of God. And I remember that when I come to someone or see somebody in a situation where they're in the same position I once was. And Going along with that, you can only help somebody with your testimony if you're willing to tell it, Yep. if you're willing to use it, if you're willing to remember that and not hold theirs above their head. And I think another good thing about him
2: that kind of points to a way we could behave is you came out of that situation. Right. But he then used... So he had the authority. Before he even went out to go to Damascus, he got letters from the, the leaders so when he showed up to this church, they maybe they didn't know him, but he gives them this letter that says, "Hey, he has the authority to do whatever he needs to do." Right. He then took it and took it back to the same places. So yep. the point that they were in common, "Aren't you the one that was telling that was arresting these people and now you're preaching in this name?" Right. He kept the authority that they
3: gave him but changed the message to what was right, right, and use it for good. You got to be careful though because Bringing up your own past is one thing, but the devil bringing up your own past and kind of throwing it in your face and kind of like going back to doubt again, um, letting him do it in a way that makes you feel unworthy is a big problem that a lot of people have. And I think that's why Paul did what he did and worded things that way was,
2: I know that the people that are out to get me are going to bring up my past. So I'm going to beat him to the punch. I'm gonna put it out there. I'm not gonna deny it. I'm not gonna say I didn't do this. This is what I did. Right. But this is how I am now. You do that, you own your past. They've the then the, the devil's got no more ammunition. There's
0: no there's <laughs> no arrows. There's no <laughs> He's arrows. He's still gonna try though, don't worry. He's gonna try,
2: but then never like everybody's like, I heard that already.
0: And just like, you know, they heard it before, they heard it accurately coming from the source of who did these things, you know, and it's it's big. I think now for us to come out and say, hey, we're real, we're human beings, like uh, Romans 3 and 23 says, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've established this already. Um, And in Revelations, it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So I think it's time that we kind of give you a a self-testimony of some of the things that God has delivered us from. You know, it wouldn't be fitting to have good, bad, and ugly you know, as our title today and as our topic today, if we didn't kind of go along with our good, our bad, and our ugly, and we're going to start off with our bad. So just going along with me, a lot of the things that I used to do that I've come to the realization were not good and not right were things that I knew, you know, when I was doing them that were, I knew for a fact, and anyone can attest to this when you go along, I knew the stuff that I was doing was wrong just because of the way I was raised, Casey.
1: Yeah, I agree totally. Um, there are plenty of moments that I am far from proud of. Um, things even to this day that, like you know, Eric was saying earlier, the devil tried to throw back at you. That definitely is attempted to throw him back. Yeah. But I think, like you've said, it's really important that we are authentic and even vulnerable in the sense that we're honest in saying. It's not just these characters that their entire lives were written down. It had been a terrible thing if somebody wrote the book of Casey and everything that I've done and gone through.
0: Right. Gibby, what do you think? Do you think when you were doing something that was not right in the eyes of
3: or in the sight of God, did you know? I didn't think. I knew. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was just, I don't know. For some reason, it felt like you could, you know, you don't need to be doing this. This isn't right. But for some reason, I just... A lot of the things I kept doing. And it, I don't know, it just felt, I felt wrong about it, but I couldn't. It got to a point where I felt wrong about it and I didn't wanna do it, but I couldn't help but do it. Right. To where a point where I guess you could almost, I guess you could say I was addicted to the point where I felt like I was living off of it. Right. Mark?
2: Oh, I definitely knew better. I mean, I didn't grow up in church, but I honestly don't think you have to to know right from wrong. Right, right. Like I've taught before, you know, you have the body, the spirit, and the soul. Spirit and the soul go to your mind and to your actual soul. So there's always some part of you, even if you grow up outside of church, that knows right have from a, wrong. It's that little conscience, that little birdie in your ear. You always hear people talk about telling you that,
0: you know, this isn't right. You kind of have a moral compass inside of you
3: that says— You know what? You probably shouldn't be doing this, and we tend to mute it a lot. (laughs) A lot of the times, it's not even because you feel that it's wrong when you're not necessarily a Christian, or because like I can say I've been an air quotations Christian my whole life, but I I haven't been a Christian my whole life. But it's necessarily not even for the reason that it's sin, but it's for the reason that this could kill you, or you know, that's a lot of the times make you feel wrong about something. But the main thing should be that. Hey, this isn't this doesn't align with God. Quit doing it. Right. And just going along with my story, a lot of the stuff that I did was
0: kind of out of rebellion, I guess, and it wasn't necessarily that I didn't my dad's the pastor and he's always been my pastor, so it's kind of like not that I wanted to do it to hurt him cuz when I got my my discipline for these these actions that I have committed, you know, I felt so bad because I seen what it did to to him. I seen what it did to my mom. And, you know, I didn't like the consequence of it, but I kind of did it out of rebellion. Like they said not to do it. For some reason, I want to do it. So I'm going to go do it and show them who I am and what I am, you know, and I'm grown, you know, and I was 15, but, and I'm grown and I can make my own mind up. But when I seen what it did to them, it destroyed me. For me,
3: it was, it's like... When a dabble turns into a full swim, yeah. When you when you just want to, you know, you don't want to dip your toes, you don't want to get in too deep. You just want to try something, and the next thing you know, everything's you're drowning. That's your whole life, basically, right. and right. you can't get out of it. Any anything on that, Mark?
2: That's pretty spot on, because yeah, you, you know, it's what just with any decision you make, or with any addiction, or anything like that, it always starts off. With just a little tease or a little taste. Right. And then you get to where that's not enough anymore. So now you gotta do a little bit more. And right. that's not enough. And then a little bit more. And then before you get you like like he said, said, then you're you're wading off the deep end. You're all the
0: way in it. You can't do anything without doing said thing. So a lot of the things for me, it wasn't really terrible things, but it was going along with what the world decided was cool, you know, and what my friends said we're cool. And it was one of the biggest reasons Gibby and I got taken out of public school is because they have a bad persona of, and a bad idea of what's cool and what's right that our family, the Bible especially, doesn't agree with. And it was totally things that the world has decided are okay and
3: are quote-unquote legal to do, but God said they it's weren't. It's also yeah. in the stance that we look at it Back when we were younger and it's something that was cool, it's something everybody was doing, but now that we're getting older, we're seeing that those people that thought it was cool and it was, what, you know, it was, now it's a vice that they can't get out of and it's basically completely ruined their whole life and it's not so cool anymore. No. I just want to make this
2: point since you brought up the, it's legal. Just because something
0: is legal does not make it right. Oh, Absolutely. And you can just look at some of the people who do these said legal things that are completely head head first, dove in, you know, and they're trying to keep their nostrils above the water from drowning, to speak metaphorically, but they're they're stuck. If it was both legal and right, why
2: are their lives still destroyed? Because it's legal. Absolutely. That's if it's if it's both, then there should be nothing wrong. But you look at that. And some of the ones that are in those situations, they're the most ones that are depressed. Right. They're the most ones that are alone. Right. They're the most ones that have physical ailments. Right. And
3: mental ailments. Right. But it's legal. Right. We don't want to say that they're the most ones because a lot of the times we go as Christians, we go through the same, same issues. We just we're we got a, a, a better hope not to let it show.
2: Yeah, I'm talking more like a stat wise, like if you look into like Study who you know the the different breakdowns of people that have this illness or this illness or depression or this or that. Yeah, there are certain things that you can do that give you a higher percentage chance. Yeah, to have that for sure, right? And it seems to be in those same categories of where the thing the thing they're doing is legal, but it's not still right.
0: So for me, I really, I don't necessarily think that I did stuff that was terrible. Obviously, it was wrong and it wasn't right. Um, but I, 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 we just talked to each other, you know, kind of off the live stream. And we said that we didn't persecute Christians. We didn't kill Christians. We didn't go around harassing people and throwing them in jail. But just to say that we didn't do that, we still abstained from being what we know God has called us to be in some areas of our life. And for me, it was, I was about 13, 14, maybe 15 years old. I decided that I wanted to do what was cool, what was right with my friends, what was cool with my buddies, you know, kind of get into the crowd. And the crowd mentality, just to go off a little bit, the crowd mentality will kill you.
2: Absolutely. The crowd
0: mentality will cause you to do things that you decided or that you have never thought you would do alone, you know, if there's two or three guys pumping you up or going, pushing you to do something different, you definitely will do something you never thought you would do. So for me, the first thing that I tried that I thought was awesome and amazing is I thought I would take dip and put it in my lip, like everyone else did at school after football, you know, we go to the seniors and get dip and we'd all split it up and go around and spit it out. And Thought it was amazing, get dizzy heads, you know, and before football games, we'd lay on the bleachers because our heads were spinning, we were sick, you know, and we thought it was amazing. Now, this is something that no one has ever heard from me. I, No one even knows that I did this. That's one thing that I didn't get caught doing, you know, which I'm thankful by God that it didn't get hooked, you know, hook, line, and sinker before I could stop it. And, And And with the next thing, you know, everyone wanted to go and smoke weed. Everyone loved to do that, so I decided that I was going to try it, and I did, and I went two or three different times and did it time and time again, three, four, five, ten, turns into 15, 20 times, and you think it's cool and you think it's good. Now, thankfully, God saved me from that and stopped it before it ever got to be a bad addiction. You know, obviously, I did it, and I wanted to do it this time and that time, but every time when the high came back down, you're like, I'm never doing that again. Once you get down to this, back to a sober state of mind, you're like, okay, I'm I'm over that. And then you do it again and a couple times and it's easier to go along doing it. But then I was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. That's not me. That's not who I am. That's not what I want to be. But one thing that got me is I made these little devices to smoke the pot and I kept them and I kept them hidden. You know, at one point in time, I kept him locked up in a chest in my closet, you know, and then I decided that I wanted to put him under my bed just in case I ever wanted to go back and do that again. I never, I quit it, but I didn't, you know, quit it. move on. <laughs> I quit it, but I didn't move on totally. I still had that thought that maybe one time I would like to do it again. And then it came to a day where my dad and myself and one of my uncles were working downstairs and mom was like, hey... You need to clean your room, and it was the cool thing of the day, you know, between dad and one of my uncles, you would be like, I'm not listening to her, I'm 15 years old, I don't need to clean my room, you know? That's something a 12-year-old gets told. Well, anyhow, the day goes on, the day goes on, mom goes and cleans my room. Well, mom finds the stash of, you know... The paraphernalia? paraphernalia, Illegal paraphernalia paraphernalia. at this time. Not even, much less, 21-year-old is legal now, but... Back then, I was fifteen. That is super illegal. Yeah, and they could be in trouble, you know, for this thing. And I go outside to get something, and I come inside, and they all got this backpack, you know, open and looking at it. And you know the backpack, you, you recognize. I know the backpack. exactly what's going on. And I'm and I'm bringing in a saw, like sweating, and then it instantly turns into tears, you know, because I didn't do it for X amount of time. You know, this is a seven eight month period to where I didn't do these things. And now it's being brought up, and I'm like, man, if I would have just thrown it away, this had never happened. If I would have just totally gave up and gave in, you know. And then there was times, you know, at our at our previous church that I was at the altar those seven eight months, crying and forgetting these things that I had done and wanting to move on, but I never had really got rid of it totally. And if I would have got rid of it totally, I could have saved myself the pain and the heartache of seeing my parents. You know, because they have a a high perception, I think, of me, and I think they still do. But it was was jarred at that moment in time. And I think that, obviously, it doesn't change the way they feel about you. But they know, you know, I have a little brother coming up behind me. And that was one of the things that my dad and myself talked about. We're like, what happens if he gets involved in this? You know, then my heart, all the way down to the bottom of my toes, you're like, man, I'm terrible for doing this thing. And then I see my mom and my dad like questioning me and and crying and upset, you know, and then I had a ride to work with my dad that day and it was an hour drive to work and he just kind of talked to me about it and it wasn't like making me feel bad, but it was coming to the realization that I was, what I was doing was totally wrong. It was totally against everything that they taught me. Not only was it totally against what they taught me, but it was against what everyone believes that they do. Cause he's been a pastor my entire life has gone. He's led a good, he's led a good life and done very minimal things, you know, to ever harm that reputation. And now it, this thing has come out that I've done to harm the reputation. And you know, how much, how terrible that must make him feel, you know? So it was rough for me for that little while. And then we got taken out of school, out of public school and went to homeschooling and that totally changed me. It helped me 100%. I after seeing what it did to my dad, me and my dad have a very good relationship. We have a very close, very personal relationship to where we talk. And to see him have the hurt on him totally magnified my hurt and my want to never do this again and to keep it as far away from me as possible. It magnified that to a million. It made me want to completely change every aspect of what I do and push for what's for what I know, for what I did know for what I have always known is right. And to go along with that, I had to be delivered from that. I believe that. But going up to 17, 18, 19, you know, 20 years old, I never got back into that. And I knew I had some sort of an addictive personality to where if I dabbled in something, I was going to be head first. I knew that if I touched something, I wouldn't be able to stop. So... That's been a big thing for me to realize. I I realize that this is my personality, and I'm glad that I realized that at such a young age, but I know that I can't touch this stuff. I know that I can't look at this stuff. I know that I can't have this stuff in my possession. I know that I can't be around somebody like this. Got to keep it away from me. I never had the thought or the desire to want to drink alcohol, so that one hasn't been hard you know, for me, but... I never had I, I knew I could never be around this stuff and make it in my walk with Christ. And I think that's a big thing to learn if you have an addictive type personality. So moving on to where a couple of years ago, my own self, I didn't have to get delivered from anything physical per se, but I had to get delivered from a mindset in my own self that says that I wasn't good enough or the things that I did in the past hindered me from doing something good in the future. I had to get delivered from a self or a sense of a self-doubt that I couldn't do what I was supposed to do because of those things in my past. I couldn't move forward because of what, because of things that had gone by. And, you know, we talked about it when we first started this church. I don't know if you guys remember it or not, but we went around to the associate pastors, you know, I got delivered from this. God help me. It was on a Sunday night. Yeah, it was a Sunday Mm -hmm. night. I got delivered from this. God help me from this. I got delivered from this. This is what God's doing with it now, and that's that's one thing that I said. You know, I I, w- I didn't feel comfortable saying what I just said to the entire congregation at that point in time. I do now, obviously, but I said I need to get delivered from me. I need to step out of the way of God's plan in my life. I've been in His way too long. I've been working in the flesh too long. That I need the Spirit to overcome. And to help me. Now, I, I, I went as deep as I thought, and I felt necessary there. I don't feel like you guys have to go any deeper than what you feel comfortable with. We can move around the table. If Mark wants to go first, Gibby, Casey, it's all up to you. I prefer last.
1: <laughs> I can go. Okay. Um, Get it out of the way. It's like ripping off a Band-Aid. All at once. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think a preface to most of my short fallings is probably like one of my longest struggles. And I have for as long as I can truly remember and that being like middle school. Cause I don't remember a lot from like younger years. Obviously I don't think many people do is I really struggled a lot with like depression and anxiety and things like that. And that's, you know, not saying that those aren't actual medical issues that people have, you know, I have been medicated for depression previously and it did help, but a lot of it also stems, I think, from being out of line of where you're supposed to be with God and certain situations in your life. And those things, those feelings led me into deeper things than I really thought I ever wanted to be. Um, I graduated high school and I went to Western for one whole semester because that was a train wreck in every every imaginable way in terms of like, Struggling academically, struggling mental health wise, but it was like, is there? I drank for the first time at like seventeen or eighteen years old, and I never got like wasted drunk because I don't like not being in control. So I don't like the idea of not being in control of myself. But that was my first real introduction to it, and then you know later on in life, after it was legal for me to actually be drinking, not that it make it made it any better, I turned to that kind of as a.
0: Coping, yeah, coping. coping mechanism. Thank
1: you. I couldn't think of a word for it. a coping yeah. mechanism, a treatment, I guess, for your know, feelings of depression, feelings of anxiety, feelings of not being worthy of the position that I have been granted because of the things that I have done. And the worst part about it for me then is I didn't, I couldn't stop, and I was bringing down other people with me. And I, like Bryce said, I found out that I have an addictive personality and. If it hadn't been for somebody stepping up and more or less forcing me to stop by bringing the appropriate people into the situation, I don't think I would have. Because I had gotten out of hand and it had gotten away from me. And like as much as I – I don't want to say I was angry at the person at the time. As much as I was just absolutely devastated by the entire situation, because now people that had a positive perception of me, I would assume at that point, now know something about me that I – never wanted them to know. I never wanted to hurt them. I'm thankful now that you know somebody was willing to be the person to step up and put a stop to it. And I think we have to think about, there's a lot of things in our lives where we're either going to be the one stopped or we might have the opportunity where we need to be the one who steps up in, in love, not in hatred, and says something to somebody when they're going through something.
0: Yeah. I think, I think we all should... Not necessarily gain a mentality of being a tattletale, but understanding that this could be life or death for somebody. Mm-hmm. If you see somebody doing something you know they shouldn't be, approach them, talk to them, you know, and say, hey, let's let's try to stop this before it spirals out of control. And that spiraling out of control, from my experience, from listening to Casey, and I know from probably both your experience, happens rapidly. Mm-hmm. It, spirals, it goes way further than you intend to take it really fast. And I think if we become, you know, sort of, uh, say, I'm not a tattletale, but don't make a liar out of me. I will tell on you. There's a difference
3: between telling on someone and helping someone. Well, and you know
0: that that this is going to help them, Mm -hmm. I think.
1: Absolutely. And even biblically based, it says, you know, if you have a grievance or Or something with somebody with a brother, Mm -hmm. go to them first in private, speak to them about it. And if that doesn't do the trick, you know, you have to.
0: Go to the church, yeah.
1: Take the next step.
0: Yeah. Is that all you got, Casey?
1: That's been my my biggest one. Um I've been yeah, that's all I got really.
0: So I just wanna kind of for the listeners for the listeners uh here, I we're being very vulnerable, as vulnerable as possible with this. Obviously we expect to not necessarily lower your expectation of us. But to kind of understand that we are real people too, please don't be judgmental to us. Just see what God's actually done in our lives so, through
3: what we used to be.
0: That's a good point. We're going to go around the table and we're going to talk about the bad side of what we've done. And then we're going to go around the table and give God glory and praise for, the, for how far he's brought us. Even though we started off good, went to the bad, it got ugly for a little bit. Can I get an amen? And it amen. got real ugly for there for about a... <laughs> it, got, it got ugly, and now we're here at the good, and we know that the only way it could be good is through God's grace to us. So
3: Mark or Gibby, you're up next. I'll I'll, I'll let Gibby go last. He wanted to go last I don't anyway. really care, Mark. You want to rock, paper, scissors? Yeah, rock, yeah, paper, got- scissors. No, actually, you go ahead. <laughs> okay.
2: I was set. You were going to was- lose anyways. I'm Are good at sure? rock, paper,
3: scissors. So am I just we'll do that we'll okay. settle that afterwards
2: <laughs> so i have a lot had a lot of similar vices i guess you would say yeah um i definitely went a little deeper especially in the drugs and what bryce was saying and yeah. i've shared this with some people before so i had a friend of mine that i had a high opinion of yeah shouldn't have at least not at that time for those things right and We would always go over there, and that was the party place. Yeah. And probably the only thing that good that came out of any of the parties was getting introduced to music and playing music. Yeah. That was it. (laughs) Everything else was bad. Yeah. Yeah, my first guitar lesson came from one of our drug dealers. (laughs) And he was teaching me how to play Nothing Else Matters on this beautiful blue Fender acoustic. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> the things I remember. Okay. And we had like one really bad. I you mean, talk about spiraling. Then you compound it too. Yeah. So we started off, we started off drinking. Then we started off, we had some marijuana. We were smoking, smoking some weed. We were feeling good. We had, then we got clever. Right. right? So we thought, we would speed up the process by, instead of using water and, like, the bongs and that, we poured alcohol in there and did it through that. Right. There were a couple of people dumb enough to actually drink that stuff afterwards. I was not that dumb.
3: They sure ended it, I'm sure.
2: <laughs> but, and at this point, I was going to school and I was, this was in high school, and I was also going over to the tech center in Lawrence, which is where a lot of... <laughs> Other people with such uh, tendencies tend to go sometimes, too, because it's an easy class to go and do something. You don't actually have to be at your school to get credit for doing something. Yeah. And there were these gentlemen that were really, really big into drugs. Yeah. And they would sell it there at the school, and they would sell it at their school. So I started trying to fit in. So they would always bring – and it was always kind of funny because the one guy, he had a – metal necklace that had like a cross on it. It was a container supposedly for holy water. Right. But he had little baggies with sheets of acid. (laughs) So I would, we would sit there in class doing the acid at school. Yeah. And with me being a nerd, still am, not going to ever change that. Whenever the teacher would see me back there with them, even though we're sitting there, we have a bottle like this big. You guys can't see it, but it's probably about a, Think of like those old five pound tubs of protein powder of vitamin C tablets because it's supposed to make it work better. Just sitting back there just popping vitamin C tablets like they're nothing. But because I was back there, he didn't really think nothing of it, even though he knew them. Right. So I that's the setup for where it got real bad. Yeah. So at night that we had the alcohol and we had the marijuana. We also I took, I got some acid from them and I would sell it at school. Yeah. But only to my friends. So like the point, so that if someone would point out, well, oh, Mark's got drugs and he's dealing drugs. No one would believe him. Right. You're not going to think the nerds are women out there <laughs> supplying right. everybody. Right. So we had a few left and we decided we were going all out. It was like homecoming weekend or something like that. We were going all out. Yeah. There's partying, partying hard, and then there's what we did. Right. <laughs> and... So you you start with alcohol, then you get the weed. Then we threw in that the guitar drug dealer also had some shots of, uh, had some meth or crystal meth. I don't remember which kind it was, but we did that as well. Yeah. And then threw in Mark's brilliant idea of, hey, I've still got a few hits of acid left. Why don't we all do these? So then we did that, and... I will tell you that combination, we were up for a couple days. There's yeah. no sleeping. Yeah. There was no even taking cat naps. And it got to the point that we brought other people into it a couple days later, we decided we were going to go to the movies. Yeah. So like a lot of times when you do bad things and they're wrong, you make it worse by involving other people that aren't even doing it.
0: So that's one thing that I wanted to add to this. A lot of the times in kind of like in my situation- I have a little brother, I have an uh, older sister, you know, and not only was it bad for me, but if they got involved in a lot of times you do involve more people, it brings down a, and it's way worse. It's way worse than if it was just you, you know, you got to realize that this isn't just affecting you. It's affecting everyone around you, everyone connected to you, everyone who loves you. It, it hurts bad.
2: Yeah, so we got the bright idea after having been doing this stuff for a couple days and having no sleep whatsoever. We decided, and this is into Jack. let's go to Mishawaka. let's go to the movies. So we got the idea. We had two or three carloads of people. Yeah. And only like four or five of us were the ones that were involved in the party. Everybody else was friends, girlfriends, and things like that. And we get down there with no problem. Perfectly fine. Watch the movie. I don't remember what movie it was. <laughs> Could have been part of the whole situation. That's one of the few things I don't remember for that. Yeah. And then we're driving back and we're going through Granger because we always went through Edwardsburg, Granger, to Mishawaka because it was the fastest way to get to the, the movie yeah. theater there. And we're coming back. And the people that know the area will recognize all these. We're coming back. We're just into where... The main part of Granger is, and there's that Stars Academy for like daycare and things like that. So we're just, I'm chilling in the backseat. I wasn't driving, I had my license, I wasn't driving. And we get going, and I look over there, I'm like, hey, we're in Granger, right? I'm like, oh, well, yeah. Isn't that where Stars Academy is? Yeah. Isn't it supposed to be on the other side of the street? Right. And we were like headed right for the sign. And then so we pulled over, and this tells you how impaired decision-making gets when, when you're in the middle of some of these things. Right. Since I wasn't driving, and since I noticed that the sign was on the wrong side of the road, it came to me to be the next one to drive. Yeah. Which didn't work. I, we pulled over to this gas station just across the tracks here. I'm looking down and looking forward, keep looking down, looking forward. I'm like, what's going on? It's like... Which of these is the gas pedal. Right. But thankfully, the the upside of having people that weren't involved in this there was there were people that were in a condition to drive. Yeah. Because that could have spiraled very quickly. Way worse. Way worse, worse mm-hmm. than where it was. And it was bad enough as it was. Right. And it probably wasn't too far from that before. It's like that kind of scared me straight of a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And short of marijuana, that was like the only time I did the other drugs that were there. Right. The first and last time.
0: Yeah, which a lot of people don't have that same experience. A lot of people are like, oh, that was great. Let's go again, you know, but thank, thanks be to God that that happened to you. And some people,
2: that first and last experience isn't because they quit. It's because they die, yeah. right?
3: I guess it's my turn. <laughs> Sit down in your comfy chairs and grab your popcorn because we got a lot to talk about.
0: <laughs> we just talked for half an hour
2: about Mark. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was only about 10 minutes ago because this was going with you.
3: Okay. Um, hmm. I've been in a lot of different bad situations. Some people know about, some don't know about, some with others, some without, some by myself. Um, I've done, I've drank, I've smoked cigarettes, I've vaped. I've chewed tobacco. I've done, I haven't done any hard drugs, I would say, but I've gotten into a lot of things I really shouldn't have been in. I struggled, I struggled mainly with from a, it's, it was a long time of sexual sin. Yeah. And looking at things, it kind of started as looking at things I shouldn't be looking at to looking at things I know I shouldn't be looking at to right. I can't stop now. Right. and I, even after getting caught once or twice i still couldn't. was in that vice where i couldn't stop myself and it became from it went from doing it because i liked it to doing it because i can't stop myself it's it was a long a long struggle i still have temptations of it but i don't do it right it's sometimes Like we were talking about earlier, there's the difference between bringing up your past and letting the devil do it. He's done it to me, right? And I felt like I couldn't do what I wanted to do because that's what I used to be, right? And even Tony Blackmore told me one time, "There's so much behind you that you're looking at, but what's in front of you is so much better than what you have to even you don't even have a reason to turn around and look." Yeah, and it was it. Sometimes it still does, but it's gotten a lot better. It's held me back before right? from being able to walk into what God has for me. But I've been down some dark depression roads, too, to the point where I didn't want to live anymore. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that because I'm always a happy-go-lucky person normally. Right. But there's been times where I was like, what's the point? There's no reason. Then I, you know, I haven't, obviously, I've never, like, held a gun to my head or anything, but I've had serious thoughts about it right but and then even because some of the stuff I did and seeing what how it was affecting my family around me that it made me want to just be out of the equation basically and there's been a lot of things I should have went to jail for right a lot of things I deserve to go to jail for but only by the grace of God I haven't and you would think, as you know, an eighteen-year-old, there's no way you can get into a lot of stuff in eighteen years. Yeah, there's a lot you can get into a lot of stuff at ten years old with the right, right, you know, I don't know the word environment, the right environment, and it yeah, has the wrong environment, I'm wrong not, environment, yeah. wrong situation. I'm not gonna blame it on anybody else but myself. But I've been in bad environments with people, and some of them people are my best friends now, and we're thriving together through God. Yeah. I've been in a lot of a lot of situations I put myself in well all of them I've put myself in nothing I've necessarily just walked into blindly um I never got into hard drugs but I have you know I've done a lot of bad things that I re- really regret but I've been set free from so I don't have to regret it
0: and one thing that I would like to add to that talking about putting yourself in these bad situations my dad has a, a really good Saying that I've taken to heart because I know me better than a lot of you know me. You know, I've taken it to heart. Every good decision, every bad
3: decision, has brought me to this place where I'm at today.
0: I was going to say that earlier, but I was waiting for it to be a
2: better time for that to come up.
3: If- See, a lot of some of my bad decisions have brought me to well better places. All well, all of them have brought me to a better place. But some of the decisions I made actually got me out of what I was stuck in, yeah. in a sense.
2: And a lot of time like hearing him saying, you know, I never did hard drugs, never did that, that's a mentality that society has that, you know, one thing that's wrong is worse, worse. than something else. Right. But you go back into the Bible and it's taking just the Ten Commandments. It says if you break one, you broke them all. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's because they all boil down to obedience or disobedience. Yep. There's it does God makes it simple for us by explaining different things that we can obey or disobey. But to him it's only obey or disobey. It doesn't matter if it's which one it is.
3: Well Yeah, and no. I don't know. Bryce was trying to tell me something. Mark he kinda got me sidetracked from listening to Mark, but just back to me, um, I like I said, they've all brought me to a better place. They've all they've all brought me to Well, took me to worse places, but sometimes you got to go through a little worse to get to the better. Yeah, like, I don't know why I wanted to get into, there was some stuff I wanted to get into, then there was some stuff I didn't necessarily want to get into, but I was trapped, like dabbled, then I was neck deep. And um, I don't, there's a lot of things that I don't struggle with anymore. Like, you know, I used to vape a lot, and then now I used to see people with them then when I was... Getting out of that stuff and I would see people with them then and I would want it even more and it was worse. But now I could I could just look at it and be like, Well couldn't you, care less. You yeah. look kinda dumb, me personally thinking just I'm not trying to hate on anybody, but that was something that held me and I when I realized how dumb it was. Didn't hold you anymore? It didn't I didn't even care anymore.
2: It didn't have hold anymore, it didn't have control once it's once it's put in its place. Right. Where it belongs then it can't be, it's
0: not going to bother you anymore. Yeah. Right. So you done, Gib?
3: Yeah. Okay,
0: good. That's what he was trying to That's say. That's what I was trying to say <laughs> earlier. <laughs> um, so we told the the bad, we got the ugly out of the, the way. really, really ugly. It gets ugly. If you allow it to, and I know some people probably have worse testimonies, I guess, than that. that I would have, call it a better testimony, because if you've been through something bad. True. True. It's a, It's going to help somebody, right? I'm sure somebody has a story that goes further than that. But here's you—you got to go through the stories. Then at the end of the story, you can give God the glory. So I'll start off. The I said the bad. I said where it got ugly. Here's where it's good. A couple years ago, probably two, three years ago, I decided that I'm going to take a stand for what I know is right. Fully, obviously, I had been delivered by God's grace way before I made this decision, you know, in my mind. But it takes a lot to get it from your mind down to your heart. Dad was talking about that on Sunday 18 morning. Inches. It's 18 inches from your from your brain to your heart on average, you know. And you can have all the head knowledge you want and have all the, the mindsets to go forward. But until it gets in your heart and it's what drives you and determines you to move forward and do the next thing that's better... It's hard. It's hard to get it from your head to your heart. So I was probably 19 years old, and I decided that I was sick of feeling the way I felt. I was sick of letting the past describe of how my future was supposed to look, or not necessarily describe it, but hold me back from my what I knew the potential was. And I decided that I was going to fully give my life to the Lord and fully move forward with the calling that God has put into my life. Now, obviously I wasn't, I was like 21 when I started preaching or 20, you know, but when I was 19, I decided that I want to do what I know is right. And that's why Matthew 6 and 33 is my first, or my favorite verse. I believe it's 633, it might be 34, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And at the 18, 19 year old uh, age in my life, I was Wanting to have a real relationship and wanting to settle down and potentially get married and decide, you know. Which for me it was like a not a spontaneous thing, but it happened pretty quick for me. I was like, I wanna do what's right, I wanna move forward. I started praying. God send me somebody, I wanna move forward and and be right and be who you called me to be as a man, not only as a man, but someday as a husband and then someday in the future as a father. So God sent Maya to me, I believe. I know for a fact, because I was like, God, I, I want a wife.
3: I don't think anybody else could put up with you like she does. Well, I, I want a <laughs> wife.
0: I want a life True partner. story. And I want someone who God has, I believe God has created perfectly for me. You know, obviously there's some differences we have, but we work very well together. And I believe that God sent her on purpose at that point in time for me as one of the best things, probably the best thing that has ever happened to me has helped me move forward as not only a man, but as a Christian man, so much has pushed me and drove me to do bigger and better things that I even had imagined for myself. But it first started when I started seeking the kingdom of God first. And I was glad, so glad, when I started finally putting my effort in the right direction and seeing it. And I know it's, I know it's kind of a faith, it's a faith builder, you know, when it takes a little bit longer, but God made it happen in two, three months, you know, and put her in this perfect situation for me and for her to come together, has a great family that loves me and cares about me. My family loves her and cares about her. And it was just like the stars instantly aligned when I started working for the right kingdom. And I knew that I had to move forward in that. And I knew it was right. I knew from the day that that I started praying about her to the day that she came into my life. And then the day that I knew from right at the beginning, when I started praying for her and God sent her to me, I knew that that was going to be my wife from that day forward. I thank God every day for her. But going back to that 18, 19, 20 years old, I had to start seeking the kingdom first. I had to put him at the forefront of my mind, at the forefront of my thought, and then all the other things would be added unto you. He was good to me back when I—he saved me from being too addicted He he kept me from being stopped there, and he kept me from moving forward in that addiction. He saved me out of that. I think he gave me a little bit of a taste of what it would look like if I was back then so I can be strong-minded now about these things, you know, because a lot of people are falling into these addictions at the 18, 19, 20-year-old, and I was doing it 13, 14, 15-year-old, you know, and I think he purposely did that to me at this point in time in my life so I can... Move way further and way farther advanced at that 18, 20 year old age.
1: I think for me, the biggest takeaway from all of it was as bad as the situations were, he used it as an opportunity to show me not only an image of salvation, you know, that I can see in my own life. You know, there are times that I probably should not have made it out, I probably should have died. I, you know. By the grace of God, I did not. And he also gave me a perfect image of forgiveness in the physical sense that I don't think I was able to comprehend before that. Yeah. You know, there are people who should probably hate me by all rights or want nothing to do with me. And at the end of the day, not saying that, you know, they're God or that it's the same thing, but the forgiveness that I received was almost a perfect image of the forgiveness that we receive every day for the sin through Jesus Christ's sacrifice. And I think that was a really important part of my life where it just clicked, you know, things I couldn't comprehend, things I didn't understand. All of a sudden, I had a little bit of an example of it to look back to.
0: And just to go along with what Casey said there, not necessarily in her situation, but in mine, these I gave these people the right to hate me. Mm-hmm. Uh, not hate me, but lower their expectations of me, take away my privileges, you know, and obviously some of the, the discipline was handed out in that manner but they don't hold it against me anymore
3: exactly and
0: it's a good image like casey's saying it's a a physical representation of what jesus christ and god offer you know as salvation you did wrong we understand that and we know that when you do wrong there's a consequence to what you do everything has a consequence no matter whether you like that or not there's a consequence to everything good or bad but once you ask for forgiveness and forgiveness is
3: granted it's forgot about that's the thing that kind of hit kind of shook me a little bit like Casey was saying when i gave a lot of people the right to hate me they didn't turn their back on me now there were some who did and i gave them the right to but i also asked for forgiveness from them and i'm not i'm not throwing any darts or anything but i'm just they never really fully gave me forgiveness, but I asked and did my part. The rest is on them. Right. But for the people that did and stood behind me, it really that's really when it changed my my mind on how I want to live my life. And it's like, you know, they had the right to but they didn't. And sometimes I even take that for granted and forget about that like when nobody else had my back, they did. Right. And I've gotten better with that too. But a lot of the thing is, you know, they should have left. I should have been the one stranded, you know? Right. And, you know, it wasn't the last time I fell and they picked me back up, but they've brought me through this whole way. And and just to go along with what Gibby's saying here, the
0: people who have stuck by, stuck by us, you know, have, st- the Bible says that Jesus will stick closer to you than a brother, you know, and... And when everyone else leaves the situation, would we give them the rights to? We have all done this, obviously, like our kind of our theme verse of this. We've all fallen short of the glory of God and we've all sinned. Jesus never walked away from us. He's actually the one that came to us and said, you are enough. You're forgiven. You're set free. That's a big thing, too, I think. For I think all of us, I don't know if all of us here do or not, but me and Casey have kind of touched that we have addictive personalities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're When Jesus says you're set free and he said the truth will set you free and you'll be free indeed, when he comes and says that and you hold on to that for real, you're a different person. When he says you're forgiven, you're set free, I'm here with you, there's someone around you that's been like you, you're not the first one, you won't be the last one, but I love you. That's huge. That's mm-hmm. huge for someone trying to recover. That's when you can take that addictive personality and get addicted to forgiveness. Get addicted to forgiveness,
3: get, a, get addicted to mercy, get addicted to grace, get addicted to love, get addicted to Jesus. Not in a sense to where you keep doing stuff to be forgiven, yeah. but into a sense where that was so great, you I'm glad give, I have it. You want to give exactly. forgiveness. Yeah.
0: So one thing that I, I, I learned, and I just learned it this week, is that if you're addicted to something, just stopping that, it's not necessarily going to get you free from that addiction. Nope. Mm-hmm. You got to take what, because uh, you know, addiction starts in your addiction's part of your mind. It's part of your your thought process. You can't just get rid of that and leave that space open, and it work. You got to fill that space with. Uh, I said to stop addiction. One of the best things you can do is start be, start memorizing Bible verses and even chapters if you feel like that the good stuff will eventually push that bad stuff completely out of your mind and what you have in there is good. For me, probably the biggest thing that it took
2: learning was so I like to read things. I like to learn things. That's not a spoiler for anyone in this room or anyone that really knows me. right? I'm a nerd through and through. <laughs> I also I couldn't hide it if I wanted to, so there's no need to. So I had, you know, all these thoughts. It's like I chose to quit. I chose to not do this. Right. And it was like I just had a strong will. I decided I didn't want to do it. The hardest part was realizing that it wasn't 100% my choice. That I did quit. Right. It was God's grace. Yeah. It was putting myself where I need to be in that instead of trying to put myself towards the front of it. Right. Because I quit that stuff, even actually most of it, pretty much before I even started going to church.
0: Right, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't still God there in that. Right, because mm-hmm.
3: He was there. He when you, when you were born, you know, He was yeah. there before. He would be there after. So, and even though you quit it before you started going to church, you still had to be forgiven exactly. and set free for it. So it was still Absolutely. in you. But
2: it, and I think the thing I draw from that is. You can get a taste of that forgiveness whether you go to church or not. Yeah. You've got that first little hint of what's to come. Right. It's just then following up on that and
0: t- seeing where that leads you. And it's only going to lead you in one spot. Right. Right to the cross. So just to kind of summarize this, we've all been, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all had bad situations that we put ourselves into. Can we agree on that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We've. They were bad, and then they turned ugly. They got very ugly, but, but now, very, look,
3: very ugly. But
0: look at us now. Yeah, I'm not just a pretty beard. I made mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's Tuesday night, and we decided that we want to further the kingdom of God. We want to help people with our testimonies, saying that you don't just see us on Sunday morning as these wonderful people who have never sinned, who are perfect. you get an actual real life representation of someone who was, of someone that you know who was bad, who had ugly situations in their life, and God changed it and turned it around for His glory. And that's one of the one things that I want to key in on, on all these characters in the Bible. They put them in there on purpose. That's why we're doing this on purpose. We want to show you that not only did they have bad situations, God turned it around for His good and turned turn around for their good and made it for his glory, he took David, exalted him, he fell, then he exalted him up to the king, and we know him to be a man after God's own heart. Not because he was a king, not because he was amazing, but because he was repentive. And just like Paul, Paul persecuted and killed Christians. We know that. But then he changed, God changed him, changed his story, so he could get the glory. Yeah, he went from killing Christians to becoming...
2: Referred to by other people in history as the Apostle to the Gentiles, was at that point in time, it was you were you were Jewish or you were out of luck, right? And a lot of things that we have access to is because there were people like him that, being a Jew and having the right to not tell us anything, you know, we've described as dogs and unbelievers and things like that, but to say no, it's for you too to right. give us.
0: Who were? Was it say that were in darkness to have a light? Now we have light, and that's one of the things. That's one of the main reasons why we decided to do this. We all came together on this before we started and decided that we want to be vulnerable and put ourselves out there so that it can help somebody else. That's our main goal tonight with this. We want to show you that we're real people that have really fallen and God really has delivered and God really has set free.
1: I just hope you know, for anybody who might be struggling currently with anything whether you know us personally or not. I know sometimes we take a Bible story or a Bible account and the characters, and we believe that they're real people and we see them, but they're hard to relate to because that was then and the world has changed so much, even if God hasn't changed. I hope that hearing examples of real people that you know are living now and struggling will help you with that too.
2: Yeah, and realize you don't have to get it all right from day 1. Right.
1: Or the day only, 100.
2: The <laughs> only thing you have to get right from day 1 is that you're going to Jesus. Yep. And then the rest will get lined up as time goes. You know, it's not none of us and none of the people in the Bible that we were, that we read about were perfect people at, or even close to perfect even right away. Right. Or even in the end they were
0: only as good as they could be because they put God where he needed to be. So one of the songs that we sing on, it's a new one we just started and decided to sing, says that hell lost another one, I am free. And I just want to say that I'm thankful that God has has brought me through these situations, but I'm ready and developed enough now and mature enough now to where I'm, I feel like it's, a good opportunity to put this out there so he can use the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful that God has brought me out of this, but I want to see God use this story to help somebody else.
2: There's another song I I like listening. I listen to Pulse FM pretty much. It's the only station I listen to. Right. Um to the point of even like at work, so in the top couple um presets on my personal vehicle and in my uh, work vehicle are all different versions of Pulse FM. So depending on where I'm listening at, Right. I've got it's Pulse it's com, it's coming in good. Yep. And you get some of these artists sometimes that they you, uh, we hold up very high yeah. because we see how they are and we see how, what God does with them. Right. But sometimes you don't get all the stuff behind it. And there was a song, I believe it was by Matthew West, that he explained the reason of it was the song is called My, I think it's called My Story. And his point of it was he came to a point in his life where it's like he realized it was his story, but it was for God's glory. Right. And that, Led to that whole song. It's like no matter what it is you find yourself in, it's all going to work towards giving
0: good. glory to God. Absolutely. And the good just, stuff and the bad stuff. Yep. So today, I just kind of want to summarize we've been vulnerable. We've decided that we want to share our past. And, but here's the main point that we're all trying to get to it was bad. It got ugly and it got good, but it doesn't just stop at me. This is available to anybody, absolutely anybody who wants it. You know, you know, We can move forward now. We've all decided, us four in this room have decided that we're ready to move forward from that to a new thing. We're ready to put it out. We're ready to go towards Christ, towards his goal for us. And we just want to put out this little message of hope for anybody all four of us were addicted to something to from the smallest part of addiction to even a big part of addiction now we're pastors associate pastors working on giving somebody helping somebody else get to the cross that's our goal but that's not just our goal it's Christ's goal And it's not just our story. We want to help somebody. This is the only reason I would have even said anything like this is if it was going to help somebody. I believe it it will help somebody.
2: Mm -hmm. I want to say this out there to the people that are listening that think you're going through something bad or think that you've done too much bad. The decisions that you make and the decisions you have made will help you. To help somebody else. Absolutely. There's going to be some people that understand the things you went through because they're going through it, and
0: you're going to be more effective to them than maybe one of us could be. Right. I think that's the reason we go through what we do is so we can help somebody who's just like us get through it. So that's going to wrap up our podcast tonight. Oh, give it, I go just ahead.
3: wanted to pray us out whenever oh. you're done. Okay, that, that's fine. I figured you got it in in prayer too. Well, Start I just I just
0: want to let anybody know who's struggling, who might be listening to this, or feels like they can't talk about what they went through. You know, we've all decided that we want to share what we've been through, and and do it. And we're doing this in confidentiality with each other. You know, obviously we're putting it out to the public now, but we're free from that. We can talk about it. But if anyone's struggling and feels like they can't talk to somebody. There's four different
3: people in this room who went through different things, and we're of all ages. We're of all ages. It'll stay in we with can, us, right? Right. We, we won't are, go talk about you. <laughs> well,
0: we want we want to we want this to be available to somebody who might feel like they need to talk and could get something off their chest and help them. And we are more than willing to pray for you. Mm-hmm. And on that note, I think Gibby is wanting to pray us out <laughs> before we even
2: get to our. Little invitational thing, but that is perfectly fine. That's a right way to do it. We, we slipped up last week and Bryce didn't pray us to start. A, no, it wasn't it Bryce. Got cut it by an was an accident. Yes, yeah, someone else was supposed to pray. They were supposed to pick and no one prayed to start for Sunday school class. So we are might have oh. to double
3: up next week. <laughs> All right, Gibby. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for letting us come here and spread your word. Through our testimony, God, we we thank you for letting us, allowing us to have a story that we might be able to help somebody through our own lives. We thank you for everything that you've brought us through, and we thank you for your salvation. We thank you for everything you're going to do for us in the future through our podcast and through our, our worship to you. And God, we ask that whatever we say might touch somebody after hearing our words, God, we ask that you might, you not that you might, but that you will set somebody free or you will give someone who has maybe, you know, maybe been a Christian or maybe fallen short again, a new hope, God. We ask that you, you lead them to you in your way, God, and they let them know to live by your will, God. We ask that you take care of the listener and you watch over the listener and you watch over us and that you... Use this, our word, as encouragement. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you for joining us for another episode of Ready to Preach. We hope that something that has been said today will aid you in your journey both in Christianity and in the pursuit of becoming ready to preach. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please reach out to us on our Facebook page, Redemption Church, and share us with your friends. If you have any questions for us or topics you would like for us to discuss, we can be reached through the Facebook's direct message or in the comments section of our posts about the podcast. We look forward to you tuning in next week.